0: You are listening to Sparking Wholeness with Erin Carey, where we talk about all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey everyone, it's Erin Carey, and today's episode is going to be a little bit different. It is actually a simulcast between three different podcast hosts. It includes me, of course, I'm the host of Sparking Wholeness, which you're listening to right now, and it includes Sandra Beck, who is the host of many different radio shows, as well as Lee Richardson, who is the owner of the Brain Performance Center in Dallas and also the host of In Your Head podcast. So this podcast is going to be a little bit different, but we're talking about a topic that is important and it really does affect everybody. And that is the topic of brain injury, traumatic brain injury, but really All of us have bumped our heads, hit our heads at some point, and that's something that Lee Richardson is very passionate about explaining. And I think the takeaway that I really, really want you guys to get from this is that you are not stuck with the brain that you have. You can change your brain. And this conversation is a little bit different from my usual format, but it's helpful, it's hopeful, and my aim is to inspire and encourage you to continue to do what you can do to use the tools to help grow your brain. And with that, let's get into it.
1: Hey everybody, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with two fabulous radio hosts. We have Erin Carey of Sparking Wholeness and Lee Richardson of In Your Head Talk Radio and we're going to talk today about brain injury and this is a roundtable discussion and Erin is going to handle kind of the nutrition and mental health aspect of it. Uh, Lee Richardson, who owns the Brain Performance Center, has suffered her third brain injury so she's going to talk about her experiences with this and me as your host I will be talking about memory loss. My memory loss is not due in because of a brain injury but it is because of the chemotherapy that I had for the last year which you guys I would argue is a brain injury. Maybe something didn't bonk me on the head but the chemicals injured my brain and now it's not working properly. So we're going to talk today about these things so if you're you know have a brain injury, if you know someone or you're worried about what to do or what happens, um, we're going to discuss those things today. And then we're going to talk about how to optimize our brains and how to get the best out of what we have. Now, first, I'm going to go to Lee Richardson. She's going to talk about now, Lee, you've had three brain injuries. Can you give
2: us just a little background about that? I sure can, Sandra. And thank you for having me on the conversation with you. So the first time I had a brain injury, I fell down a flight of stairs. Um, It was in the Northeast where every house had a basement. So those flight of stairs had concrete at the bottom. Woke up um, in the hospital, had no idea where I was or what had happened. And my husband was sitting next to me and he's like, do you know where you are? No. Do you know what happened? No. So, you know, you wake up, that's emotional trauma right there. Uh, what's going on? Why am I here? I had two boys that were two years old. Where are my kids? Um, certainly this isn't a kid-friendly place. So, and as a result of that injury, I lost my sense of smell. And that is what the doctors, before I left the hospital, said, you've lost your sense of smell and you will you will not get that back because of the head injury. And as I said, with two two-year-olds, if I have to leave, lose a sense of a sense, sure can't lose my eyesight or my hearing I'm like I can make this work I can make this work what I didn't know is that was only one of the things that I lost and as I progressed with through that after that I noticed that you know I just and I I just quit reading of course when you have twin boys that are two and I had just I was wrapping up a a career with Exxon. I was shutting down a facility. And so I mean who has time to read anyway? Right. But one of the things I noticed is, you know, I just I, I I don't read anything. I read I read People magazine, which is written at a first grade level. Nothing wrong with that, but I used to love to read. So I go and I my son got hit by a car and, and that's how I got into neural feedback. And I'm there doing neural feedback with him. And and again, once he got hit by a car, we left the ER and they said, oh, he's had a concussion, go home, if this doesn't happen, if this doesn't happen, if this doesn't happen, he's fine. And then three years later, he goes into fifth grade and he comes to me and he says, mom, you got to help me. So, and that was a result of a brain injury. So in, in looking for ways to help him, we found neural feedback, and I decided, well, you know, I'm over here all the time. <laughs> I might as well do it. So, and I got my sense of smell back. And that was a life changing event for me. I mean, when you think about it, you can't taste anything to smell it. Right. You know, there's more emotional memories. I can't remember three Thanksgivings ago who was there, what they wore, where they sat, but I can remember what that house smelled like when I walked in the door. Mm-hmm. So it got my sense of smell back. The second entry that I happened, um, was in my home. And it was, I woke up in the middle of the night and I had taken a bath the night before and I had left my robe on the marble floor. And little Miss Piggy, she would have put it up. But I got up in the middle of the night to go to the restroom and I slept on it and I hit my head. And that was a, a Saturday night. And I'll never forget my husband said, Oh, we got to go to the ER. And I'm like, I'm not going to the ER on a Saturday night. I'm not going to go hang with all the crazy people. So he said, okay, and I said, I'll make you a deal. If I wake up and my head still feels bad, we'll go. Well, I woke up and it did feel bad. And I went to the ER and they they did a few tests and they said, well, you can't stay here. And I'm like, see, I told you, I told you there was nothing wrong with me. And he's like, the, the doctor said, no, you have a brain bleed. You can't stay here because we don't have a neurosurgeon on staff 24 seven. So got through that, um, got out. And when I came out of that injury, I was just so confused. I had a really hard time with details. And, you know, I had just completed grad school. And I thought, how am I going to take my, how am I going to take my licensing exam, you know, for counseling? Uh, And that's when I learned whole brain training. And I used that to be able to bring myself back from it. But both of those times, you know, it was what I wasn't expecting as a result of the brain injury that created the biggest deficits in my life. So let's flash forward a few years, a a lot of years. And in my home, I have, we're a dog family. We have two dog beds, two big furry dog blankets. And about a month ago, I noticed that, you know, in the dog's play that I slept on the, the dog blanket. And fell, didn't hit my head, but slipped. And at the time, I thought, you know, we should get rid of one of these, but we didn't. And a month later, I slipped on that. I hit my head on the wall, and I had a huge gash in my head, blood streaming everywhere. And you know, my fear was, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? So we go to the ER, and they—they didn't even say you had a concussion. They said you've got a huge gash in your head. Let's just staple that back together, which they did. And after that, and it's been almost two weeks, but every day, Sandra, I test something. Okay, what, what's going to change? I'll never forget the Saturday after the Thursday. Saturday morning, I do my dance jam and I love it. I'm like, okay, let me go see if I forget anything more than I usually do. Let me see if I'm any cl- you know more clumsy. And I was like, okay, I wasn't. Um, But every day after that, I've tested myself to see what's it done. It's the unknown that comes from the brain injuries that is so scary. It's so for me as a person, you know, I'm also a brain injury professional and I've, I've had that nice logical talk with myself and done all my check ins. But that doesn't mean that I put worrying about it. It doesn't mean that I quit thinking about it. Am I sleeping too much? Did I sleep more than I should, you know? And you're, you're in a point where you're second guessing yourself. And I've come to the conclusion that the staples will come out on Thursday. And I've come to the conclusion that these staples have made me smarter. I, am, I have decided I'm gonna put some positive psychology on this. I'm gonna let go of all my fears and look for a positive effect. Now, if I'd have had memory loss, because that's something in my practice, a lot of people with TBIs, memory loss is even more devastating. And I think that's something you can speak to. Right, and it's a TBI. Just for those of you who are listening, is a traumatic
1: brain injury, and we see a lot of that after car accidents. We see a lot after uh, our military personnel. You know, percussion shock, uh, things that that happen in the military environment that aren't aren't brain friendly. And I will tell you, Lee, the when you talked about the trauma of you know waking up in the hospital and not knowing you know where your 2-year-olds are and what happened when you when you lose your memory and you're like me like I'm in tech so I rely a lot on my memory for coding and strings and 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 things like that and when I couldn't remember just simple things And I would walk into the room and my kid would say, hey, mom, can you grab me a lemonade while you're in there? And I go into the kitchen to get a lemonade. I was going to get myself a drink. Completely forget what I was doing in there, stand there, look around, and then go back and sit back down. And my kids laughing at me, going, Mom, like, what did you do? You just got up and walked in the kitchen, turned around in a circle, and came back. And I looked at them like, I have, and I had no idea what what just happened. And, you know, unfortunately that's happened a lot to me, um, since my chemotherapy, but the first time it happens is
2: frightening. I bet it is. It's just like, you know, because it makes you feel unsecure. It makes you feel uncertain. I mean, you know, I feel like I'm in my house and I don't even know what I'm doing. What's going to happen when I get in my car and I go out into the world. Yeah.
1: And, and driving in certain directions. What was funny though, this was interesting. And this might be a brain question to the two of you. Um, I could remember my childhood roots when I'm back in the country where literally you have to turn at an Amish schoolhouse, go down. And then when you go under the trees that connect together, turn on a road there, like I could do that in my sleep. But when I came back to California and I got in the car and I'm like, I couldn't remember the way to get to the post office. Well, I've lived here, you know, 10 years in this house. So how can I remember something clearly from, you know, 30 years ago, but I can't remember how to get to the post office. It's, it's those weird things that don't make sense. And I think that's part of the confusion of going. And I love that you have your checkpoints Lee, you know, like you have, you know, is my dance jam going to be better or worse? Like, am I clumsier? Am I going to remember the steps? Like you have these little tests that you give yourself. Um, and I think that's really interesting. We
2: well, you know what I think is so interesting is it's that are those daily things that we do and we don't even think about them when we're doing And Aaron, I'd love to hear what you have to say oh. about this, but we don't even think about them. They're just automatic. And when you lose that automatic recall, yeah. it's like you've been kicked in the knees. Yeah. I
0: think it's, it's interesting as you guys are speaking about this. <laughs> I remember reading about, cause I know I have a lot of listeners who are of, you know, having babies and kind of pass the babies. And I remember reading something about how after you have children or during that pregnancy phase, that pregnancy brain is real. Like it really does affect your brain and it affects the gray matter of your brain. And I think that's so interesting too. And some would say that it takes, years, we can get it back. You know, we have brain drive neurotrophic factor. We can activate that. There are lots of, you know, neuroplasticity. We can grow our brain. We can change our brain, all of that. But I think a lot of us just typical hormonal changes, life changes can lead to some of these brain symptoms of I'll be walking around, talking to somebody on my phone going, where did I put my phone? You know, like things (laughs) like that. I think that's normal for a lot of people, but I I don't think that it should be that way. I think our brains are pretty overloaded. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that, that it's, it's important to find tools that will help kind of restore that, that cognitive capability that we tend to lose under stress, under injury, like you're talking about, or medications or treatments that we go through when we're super sick or through cancer or whatever it is, you know, there are ways to regain our, I would say, yeah, cognitive capabilities, but it, it, I think a lot of times we just accept it and go, oh, this is just how my brain is going to be. And I think that's why this conversation is so hopeful and so helpful is that we know that our brain doesn't have to stay the way that it currently is.
2: Absolutely. And of course, you know, being a professional, I was, uh, well, I'm just going to take care of this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to use all my, you know, all my, the things that I use on my clients. And I did. And And I think that made me feel better because I've seen what great results that I've had on other people. So it certainly made me feel, and it made me feel better physically when my, when my swelling went down and I could put both of my hands on top of my head and they felt the same size, you know, oh, okay, I'm not going to lose it. Everything's kind of still here. And I think that people need to know that I think everybody's hit their head. Whether or not you lose consciousness, I didn't lose consciousness a couple of weeks ago. Um, But everybody's hit their head. And it is, I look back and I think, you know, I could have prevented that injury. Mm -hmm. I could have moved a dog bed and a dog blanket and nobody would have known the difference. And most of the falls that happen do happen in our home. So, you know, why I was so excited to be on this show and talk about it is, is I want to challenge people to look around and look and just see, you know, what's user-friendly and what's user-not friendly. That mm-hmm. extra dog bed and extra dog blanket was not user-friendly. And we all have that stuff in our house. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what can I do to streamline? How can I make it easier? You know, I can't tell you how many times I've opened a a kitchen cabinet and stuff just comes <laughs> barreling out you know and as I'm looking at it all well, I haven't used that in about two years I haven't used that you know get rid of that stuff give it to somebody that can benefit from it
1: but That's it's true. our
2: responsibility to take care of ourselves
1: well, yeah, as you were talking, I was thinking the rug that's on the, the the hall landing, like that's got a crinkle in it. Somebody could fall over that. Like, And when I take a shower, I have to be super careful because I got rid of my bath mat and I still haven't replaced it. So it's like a slip and slide when I come in. I mean, like these are risks that we take every day without even thinking about it, which is why it's so good that we have a show like this talking about, you know, brain injury and brain health. And, you know, when you were talking, you were talking about like neurofeedback and neuromodulation, some other neuros that, that you mentioned. Um, and those are, are great because you have to go in somewhere to get those done. Can you tell me what those things are? You know, because you use those words and there might be people listening that don't know what that means.
2: Well, that's a that's a good point. You know, and the first thing that you can do is assess the brain and see what's going on. How has that brain become dysregulated? And it did it shift the power? Do you have more fast wave now or do you have more slow wave wave now? Or do you have both? And it can shift the way that the brain communicates. Maybe that brain starts oversharing information or undersharing. And it can change the timing in the brain. No, it can make you, after I've worked with a lot of people that after a brain injury, they're impulsed and they engage more in risky behaviors than they did before. And the way that you address that is by creating neuroplasticity in the brain and neuroplasticity is the brain's ability to change. And you do, you can create neuroplasticity. You can use neuromodulation and neuromodulation, no matter what you do, you increase the blood flow, that increases the oxygen, that gets those little neurons, the dendrites, to start talking together, start firing together. Because if they're not firing together, they're not wiring together. So there's things that that you can do. And and even at home, you know, there are things that you you can do. Uh, Learning a, a new language, learning a new skill, doing things, let's say you always brush your teeth with your right hand. start brushing your teeth with your left hand, create new communication, get that different communication going on in the brain. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, um, so that's that's one aspect
1: of brain health and 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 repairing or helping or optimizing. I want to go to Erin Carrie to talk a little bit about nutrition because one of the things that I noticed when I first got sick um and I was diagnosed with cancer stage 3c um people brought me sweets. They were bringing me, you know, all this stuff and it wasn't Um, at first I'm like, wow, this is great. It was like I won the cancer lottery because all this like cool stuff came in. And Erin, you were the only one who sent me a box of healthy snacks. Like that (laughs) I remember. (laughs) Yeah, you and Linda Crater, she sent me nuts. Um, But everything else was kind of sweet and sugar-based or it was snacky, you know, things like that. And what i found was in the beginning i and i wasn't cooking for myself i wasn't able to cook for myself so i was reliant on my neighbors for about 10 days to provide food and it was all like seriously i got like three lasagnas <laughs> it was like the the funeral fest um but it wasn't the food that i wasn't that i was used to eating and i will say it it made everything worse it didn't make things better in how i felt i didn't feel well you know, treatment aside, I felt I was putting food in my body, but I also started to feel really sluggish. And so my question to you is what role does nutrition play in our brain insofar as alertness or decision making? You know, how does that work?
0: Yeah. Ooh, I, I love talking about this. You know that. This is my favorite topic. <laughs> but it's true. So, you know, anything we consider now our gut, our gut microbiome, our intestinal tract, all that to be the second brain. Our gut lining is filled with neurons that communicate with the brain. And it's so important to be feeding our gut with the right food, because what we put into our food is going to create signals that go back to our brain. And so, you know, using sugar for an example, sugar is inflammatory. And when we are, constantly eating processed sugar or processed carbohydrates, that's another form of sugar. It is going to fog up the brain. And, you know, we talk about And I I talk about the phrase brain fog with a lot of my clients and people I work with, because what you eat can contribute to just that overall cloud that, that fills your brain, that keeps you from being able to function, whether you have a brain injury or not, like we can all suffer from brain fog because of the food that we're eating. And so nutrition plays a huge role. Um, You know, even with neuroplasticity, Lee mentioned that another way that we can create, and I kind of hinted at it before create neuroplasticity and, and help the strength to strengthen our brain and the connections in our brain is by brain drive neurotrophic factor. That is a huge missing piece. I think that I didn't realize for a long time that, that we can create through exercise through even intermittent fasting. And I'm just talking about a brief, like 12 hours, maybe even 10 hours between dinner and waking up, having that good time of cleanup, for your brain, for your, for your gut health, for your uh, detoxification, for all of that, that fasting can do a lot, but it really cleans out the brain. That's the big thing, right? And it can help improve that brain derived neurotrophic factor, which is what we want. The other thing that can help improve brain drive neurotrophic factor is things like fatty fish, you know, omega-3s. We talk about that a lot when we're talking about nutrition for brain health, that's helpful. Turmeric, it's a spice that's anti-inflammatory and that can improve brain drive neurotrophic factor. Resveratrol, if you've heard of that, we usually think about red wine. Well, dark chocolate, dark chocolate is a powerful antioxidant and anything that is is packed with antioxidants and polyphenols is going to affect our brain health. And so I'm really big on using nutrition to fuel brain health, because a lot of people, when they hear about, you know, changing up the nutrition or changing up their diet, they're thinking just about weight loss, which is great. Like if that's your thing, go for that thing. But long-term, I want to be able to think clearly, you know, I want to be talking about this for many, many years. And the best way to do that is to feed my second brain, which is my gut so that my first brain can be clear. And and that's what I just get so passionate about. And I think it's really important whether you do have a brain injury or not. And then like Lee said, most all of us, we've hit our head. (laughs) Like I think about my four-year-old, he, oh my gosh, he is just always bouncing off the couch and crashing into something. And I do think now that I've listened to Lee's podcast and Mm -hmm. following her on social media, I do think about, well, gosh, how many brain injuries has he had because he bumps his head all the time. And so I I think it's important to keep in mind that we can all um, benefit from a little bit of a brain refresh when it comes to our nutrition.
2: Well, you know, and and Erin, you're so right about what you said about food. That's how you feed the brain. And, you know, the brain's only three pounds. It's 70% water. For all of you out there that think you're staying hydrated when you drink a cup of coffee, I hate to tell you, but you're not. Water is so important. And sleep, I mean, think about it. Sleep is your foundation. All day long, you've got these little neurons and dendrites firing and firing and they're creating this toxic waste. And the only time these little glial cells can come out and clean that mess up is when you're asleep. So there's nothing more basic than eating healthy and getting a good night's sleep, because whether you've had a brain injury or not, I think we all want to get the most that we can from our brain. I know I do. I mean, I just bought a new piece of equipment because it comes at the brain on a different level. It looks at cellular, cellular communication, how the cells communicate. And I think that's one thing that probably 99% of the people I talk to in it, would you like your brain to work better? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah. Wouldn't you?
1: Right. Cause what does it look like? Like, like Lee, what does it look like when your brain works better? Like, are you happier? Is, is life simpler? Like what, what does that mean?
2: Well, when your brain is working on all levels, then you've got cognitive clarity. You know, you're, you may not know the answers to all the questions, but you're clear on what is the problem you're trying to to solve. You have it. you can make decisions. You don't get hung up in that procrastination and that's what I see a lot with brain injuries that people, should I do this? Well, I don't know. Maybe I should do this. You know, they, they get that, that cingulate gyrus in the brain gets those thoughts just looping and looping and looping. And when your brain is working in a regulated state, you sleep better, you make better decisions. You, most of us have more energy and we all know how important exercise is. Aaron mentioned that. You know, you get that exercise going and you release those endorphins, those endorphins make you feel good. So a a healthy brain improves your overall quality of life. It usually improves your relationships that you have with your family and your friends. It usually includes, improves the relationship you have with yourself because we all need to be able to show ourselves a little kindness Mm -hmm. and a little grace And if you're always frustrated, oh, I can never do that. No matter how hard I try, I can't do that. You know, you're not showing yourself kindness. You're not showing yourself grace. And I think one of the things that's happened in the last 17 months with the pandemic is that we've all kind of lost our empathy for each other.
1: Well, and I think you know when people are under stress, like there has been, you know, with the pandemic. It's amazing to see how much people become even like more self-absorbed, like like that the pandemic's only happening to them. You know, I saw that when I got together with family and friends and it was interesting to see how, and I don't know if this is a brain thing or a personality thing, there were some people that just kind of seemed to roll with the masking or roll with the unmasking or the CDC guidelines that, you know, kind of went back and forth. And, you know, obviously if we all knew what was right, or what was supposed to happen we'd be agreeing on things but so the fact is we don't and that uncertainty, I think, makes it really difficult for a lot of people. And if you don't have good brain health, like, you know, if you're foggy, or you're not making good decisions, I would think that all of that kind of rolls into one. And I'd like to to talk about stress and what stress does to the brain, both from a nutrition standpoint, and leave from a from a brain performance standpoint, let's talk about stress for a minute.
0: Oh, I, I love <laughs> oh, I, just saying, I love talking about stress because what you were just saying, I just want to hop back on to what you were saying, Sandra, because I, I just. I see that I was just telling somebody the other day, I'm feeling, I'm a very sensitive person to other people's emotions, feelings, just everything that's happening in the world. And I have felt in the last week, just very weighed down by everything, just very burdened, you know, just carrying other people's stress and carrying the stress of the world. And it impacts the way that I just go about and do my day-to-day tasks. It impacts, you know, what I'm eating. And so when we're talking about stress, especially stress and nutrition, it's almost like a chicken or egg kind of question. Does the stress cause the the poor eating habits or do the poor eating habits cause the stress? Okay. Because it does work both ways. Because again, we have that gut brain connection, but it's a, it's bi-directional, it goes both, right? So we have your brain is sending signals to your gut. And I always say a body in stress will not digest. So if you are stressed out, you might be suffering from poor digestion, maybe irritable bowel syndrome, maybe you're having hormonal issues because your body in survival is shutting down all of these important functions because there's no use reproducing when you're you know, running from a tiger, right? If we think about this from an ancestral perspective, under stress, your body doesn't know that that it's, you know, a pandemic and that you're watching the news too much. It doesn't know the difference between that or I am running from a tiger every single day, you know, because it's the year 4000 BC or whatever, right? Like our bodies are just doing what they can do to survive and to protect us. And so what am I doing to help my body out? Am I feeding that fear? Am I watching the news? Am I staying on social media and getting involved in debates that are going to go nowhere? or, or with family or whoever, or am I managing what I can? That's right in front of me, because what's right in front of me, I will just say probably 99.9% of the time is way more important than everything else (laughs) that's out there around me, you know? And so just from a, from a nutrition standpoint, your stress does impact what you do with your food, but your food impacts those stress hormones cortisol and all of that as well. And so we have to look at it from a both and perspective and not an either or perspective. I hate to interrupt today's discussion, but I've got to jump in real fast. If you like what you're hearing on today's show, but you want to know how to make health changes work for your body and brain, I would love to work with you. Learn more when you go to sparkingwholeness.com slash coaching to schedule your session with me. I offer personalized programs that meet you right where you are. I take everything I've learned from all these amazing experts who have been on my show, my own training from the Institute for Integrated Nutrition and the School of Applied Functional Medicine, and I mix it all up with my own personal flavor, and we work together to start your journey to wholeness. Go to sparkingwholeness.com slash coaching. I would love to work with you. Okay, I'll shut up now. Back to the show
2: play off of that stress. There's four things that puts a brain in a dysregulated uh, state and stress is one of them. Stress can do on some levels the same thing as hitting your head can do or what's how genetically you're wired. So, I mean, we all laugh. I've laughed. Oh, stress will kill you. Ha ha ha. Um, Stress will kill you in more ways than just, you know, the heart brain connection. I've always believed in the gut-brain connection, talked about that in my book, Turn Your Brain On to Get Your Game On. But more research looks at the connection between the heart and the brain. And th- there's a lot to be said about that. But when people get stressed out, they get, they put, the, the brain is their central nervous system. When people get stressed out, their central nervous system puts their autonomic nervous system in a stressed out state. And what that means so you have two pieces of an autonomic nervous system. You've got the sympathetic, and when the sympathetic takes over, that's when we go into that fight or flight, oh, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. And then when the parasympathetic takes over, that's when we just kinda wanna lay in the floor, just kinda go numb in that fetal position, You know, hold our knees and rock. And the problem is the window of tolerance to keep those two sympathetic and parasympathetic in balance That window of tolerance is not that big. Mm. So when we, when we get stressed out, we throw our whole autonomic nervous system out. And that's why, you know, I say it over and over, breathe, just breathe into it. And it's amazing. I can get people to breathe, breathe with me in my office. But when I ask them to go home and do it on their own, they don't do it. And, you know, I'll say, okay, then we're going to have to do it twice as long today because you haven't done it. And we'll all laugh about it. And I've tried giving out written instructions. I've tried suggesting apps that they put on their phone. I've tried, you know, all different ways to get people to really lean into that and learn how to use your breath. Because if you slow your breath rate down, you'll slow your heart rate down if you can get your breath rate and your heart rate to dance together, you've created heart rate variability. That's a sign of wellness, that's a sign of health. Even for people, I saw a study for people with diabetes, when they could get their, their, create some heart rate variability, they could really impact the way that their body produced and managed insulin. So there's all kinds of ways that, and things that we can do to manage our stress, but most of the time we're so caught up in it. We're so, you know, we're, as Aaron said, we're 400 years ago. we got that tiger going to bite our head off mm-hmm. when we stick our head out of the cave that we don't think about. We don't think about breathing.
0: Yeah. And I want to add, because as you're talking, Lee, I think this is so important because I do on my podcast, we talk about the gut brain connection all the time, but I'm so glad that you mentioned the heart brain connection. I had to look it up while you were talking. And the, it says that the human heart has about 40,000 neurons. And so the heart and the brain do interact. And as much as we emphasize gut and brain, that has to be touched on that heart brain connection, heart rate variability, slowing down and taking time to breathe because it's free. (laughs) You don't have to go out and, and, you know, clean out your pantry. But I think that learning to breathe and slow down and breathing deep, breathing through your nose can do just as much for inflammation which inflammation in your body is going to impact inflammation, in your brain. And that's going to be doing just as much for inflammation as would cleaning out your whole pantry and going, you know, lower sugar, more whole foods and more whole fruits and vegetables and all of that. I mean, I think that, that that's a great first step for somebody that's like, Ooh, how do I boost my brain health? Learn to breathe.
2: Well, I'm just going to
1: tell you guys, like I'm One of probably every person, working person, working mom, when I'm stressed, I hold my breath. And for the longest time, I didn't realize why I had like my back was stick, my, my neck was stiff. And what happens is when I start to get stressed with my kids or my dad or my company or whatever, I hold my breath. And then everything tenses up. And I'm probably like every single person, like I can see you nodding your head, Aaron, and you, Lee, like that's what we do. So when I'm stressed, I have to make a concerted effort to ask myself, and this this is about being mindful. When people say, oh, you know, be mindful, mindfulness practice, blah, blah, blah. I never knew what that meant. But what it means is when you're in a situation, like if you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off, stop for a minute and ask yourself, are you breathing? That's what I do. Am I breathing? Because usually I'm not. And if I'm holding my breath, like, like you know, probably, Erin, it goes back to me hiding in a bush, you know, trying to get away from a mastodon, you know, so you hold your breath and you stay really still when you're stressed that cuts off the oxygen flow to my brain. And I will tell you, I learned this many years ago in a Stephen Covey seminar, when we were talking about scheduling, they said, when you sit down and you write something in your day planner, or you put it in your, your phone or whatever you're using, take a minute and do a self check and say, am I breathing? What can I do to relax? Cause you know, we take the time to stop and put an appointment in our planner So at that point, and I've been conditioned now like Pavlov's dog to, when I go to write something in my planner to do a quick self-check, it takes a millisecond to say, are you breathing? Do you need to take some deep breaths, relax and calm yourself down? Those deep breaths, don't they oxygenate the brain? I mean, aren't we making it worse by holding our breath
2: and holding our body stiff? I mean, somebody weigh in. And Sandra, I can't tell you how many people hold their breaths. When we're doing neurofeedback, we've got a cap on their head and we're watching the brain waves. And when you hold your breath, you get all this artifact, you know, and I'll, and I'll look and I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on? I'm like, are you holding your breath? <sighs> no. I'm like, well, what'd, you, what'd you just let go of? But they're like, you know what? I was holding my breath and I don't even, I didn't even realize I, that I do it. And the more you make people aware of, they're like, you know what? I hold my breath all the time. And that's another way for me to come back and say, well, breathe into it. Let's work on our breathing. Because anytime we get stumped or anytime we kind of like, I don't know what to do. We do hold our breath. Yeah. And it's just a natural response. And I'm, I can tell the minute someone's holding their breath, I'll see all that muscle artifact. And I'm like, please breathe. <laughs> I am please
1: breathe. Oh, well, right. I mean, just such a simple thing. You know, I've been, I've been taking this yoga class for a year now and the lady's really nice. And I know I drive her nuts because I'm always asking questions. Cause I want to know, like, why do you breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth? And I asked her that question the other day and she's like, you know, do you just, have a million questions. I'm like, yes, I do. But she answered them. And she said, when you breathe in through your nose, you slow down the air, you warm it up, your nose hairs and everything catch the dirt, and it prepares it for your body. And if you breathe in like five and a half seconds, hold it five and a half seconds, and then blow out through your mouth, push all the way down to your diaphragm, which is your traditional, you know, 5000 year old yogic breathing. You expel all of this carbon dioxide and you fully oxygenate your body. One simple psych, cycle of breathing in through your nose for five and a half seconds, hold it, and then breathe out. And this is very similar to the military training, the four square breathing that, that we teach to calm people down. You know, and this is just breath. This is just breathing. I'm like, I breathe all the time. I should be good at it, but apparently I'm not. <laughs> what about you, Aaron? Weigh in on breath
0: gosh, you know, I don't think I knew how to breathe until I started practicing yoga. It's, it's so funny. And I didn't realize my whole life, I do hold my breath most of the time. And I, or I breathe, breathe through my mouth and learning through yoga to breathe in through my nose, like you're saying out through my mouth, it has made such an impact in just how I handle. And it, it helps me to take notice. And I think that's important for people too, is like, we oftentimes we rush through our days and we're not taking notice of how, how is your body feeling? Where are you holding tension? You know, like even right now I can tell you, like, I'm so into this conversation, but I haven't actually like, okay, shoulders down, you know, take a Mm -hmm. deep breath because I get, I am a, um, what's what's right I'm an excitable person I love conversation I love going 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 and I don't take time to stop and pause and check in with myself and ask well how are you doing how are you feeling how's your brain feeling are you feeling foggy and learning to slow down and learning something as simple as breathing has kind of really helped me in all of those areas to just slow down and go okay am I reacting to the situation out of my fear brain, out of my anxious brain, out of my primitive brain, or Can I take a deep breath and respond to this situation? Because I think that when our brains are, and, you know, I know Lee talks about this a lot too, when our brains are not regulated, it's really hard to respond. We simply just react and going back to just the world today. I think that's, I think everybody could benefit from some deep breaths right now (laughs) because everybody's reacting and not everybody is responding and paying attention to what's going on inside of them.
1: Well, and don't you think it helps to anchor your new mindful breathing, if you want to give it a name, um, to certain things? Like, I try to anchor it to folding laundry, to washing dishes. Like, I put this Calm app on my iPhone, and I'll be honest, it did nothing but, like, Annoy me because it wanted me to take a breath. They're like, okay, time to do your two minute deep breathing. Well, it'd be in the middle of a radio show or I'd be on the freeway. Like, you know, like I can't do this now. But I did find that, you know, doing it while I brush my teeth, if I'm brushing my hair, I think anchoring the breathing, because does it matter when you do it, Lee? This is the question. Does it matter that
2: I do it five times a day or does it matter more that I do it when I'm stressed? Well, and this is a problem I have with clients. They don't, they don't do it five times a day. They don't try it until they are stressed out. And then guess what? It does not work. Right. You've got, you've got to do it with some on some regular schedule. If it's five times a day for two minutes each, if it's one time a day for 10 minutes each, whatever, but you've got to learn how to do it. You can't just, you know, I'll just pull that right out of my back pocket and I'll use it and it'll work. It will not work. And, you know, so many people get so confused because there's so many different ways to breathe. Well, I heard somebody talk about four by four. I heard somebody talk about in the mouth, you know, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, you know what? Just find one that resonates with you, that you're willing to practice and do it that's the most important thing is to just do it. And for me, breathing is very grounding for me. When I when I when I'm feeling stressed out, I'll sit down, make sure I can feel my feet on the floor, I put my hands on my knees. That's just a better connection to me to feel grounded. And then sometimes I close my eyes, sometimes I don't, but I just focus on my breathing. And getting grounded, because when I'm grounded, I'm feeling more confident, I'm feeling more in control, I'm feeling more balanced. Now that may, you know, grounding may not be mean much to anybody else. Find what it is, what is the benefit that you're looking for from breathing. And honestly believe if you don't know what you're looking for, Sandra. You're never going to find it. Oh, I'm just going to breathe. (sighs) Okay, well, why are you doing that? For me, I like to, it grounds me. It just kind of slows me down and grounds me. But if you're, if you need to focus on your breathing to stop you from blowing your lid, you know, or, or from going into a panic attack, think about why, what can this do for me? What is the benefit of? Because if you focus on the benefit, you're going to be a whole lot more inclined to practice it.
1: Right. Absolutely. Mine is for, of all things, mine is for energy boost. Like I will will run around the house looking for a charger for my phone, like a lunatic. Okay. But I realized I don't recharge myself. And during my workday, like I have a high stress job. I have a high stress lifestyle. And if I don't stop and do my mindful breathing, even for a minute, then I run out of gas. And when you talk about the benefit, like for you grounding, there's lots of reasons to ground. For me, grounding is that I can get another hour's worth of juice out of my brain. You know, just stopping and closing my eyes, taking those deep breaths, you know, five in, five hold, five out, you know, five, four, I don't care what you do. But if you do that, and then sometimes I do it while I'm walking around, all of a sudden my brain gets like this energy boost that's so much better than caffeine. It's so much better than my old tricks, which was like at four o'clock to have some caffeine. Now I do my breathing and it does a better job.
2: And I think it's better for my body. Well, I know when I do my breathing, I feel like I'm loving on myself. <laughs> I'm just loving on myself. And who doesn't want to, who would not want to feel that? Right, right.
1: So you guys, um, we're at the top of the hour. I want to thank you for this brain injury Turned brain health roundtable. If you guys would like to learn more about Erin Carey, you can go to sparkingwholeness.com. You can also look up her show and Lee's show at In Your Head Talk Radio on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, uh, TogiNet iTunes, You know, we're pretty much everywhere on this. You can listen to me on Military Mom, Motherhood Talk Radio, Coach Talk Radio, Powered Up. Take your pick. You can also find out more about Lee by visiting the, you need the T-H-E, thebrainperformancecenter.com. So if you guys are struggling, you don't have to. There's things you can do. Turn to Aaron for nutrition. Turn to Lee for brain optimization and brain recovery. We'll be back again next week with another great episode